and welcome to On Focus, brought to you by the Focal Therapy Clinic, where we connect you with issues facing men diagnosed with prostate cancer that are little known, less understood, and almost never talked about. Prostate cancer is now the most commonly diagnosed cancer in the UK. And with this somber fact comes a multitude of challenges and opportunities. I'm Claire Delmar. Joining me today is Alan Doherty, clinical director at the Birmingham Prostate Clinic, and recently voted one of the UK's top 10 prostate cancer specialists in a national poll of consultant urologists published in the Daily Mail. Alan has been an innovator, advocate, and dedicated practitioner of the MRI diagnostic pathway for prostate cancer. And he's here to talk with me about the importance of MRI reporting in optimizing both diagnosis and treatment. Alan, thanks so much for joining me. Claire, this is very kind of you to ask me to join you. I, I, this is a, a huge and important subject which virtually transforms the management of prostate cancer. So pleasure to be here. Wonderful. And, and I think the issue is that, you know, most patients, they may not even know and they certainly don't understand exactly how important that is. And I think that's what we're going to try to sort of drill down into in this brief interview today. To start this off, really, I can give you an anecdotal example of a very well-known professor in oncology who has been treating prostate cancer for years. But he was always a skeptic of the use of PSA as a screening test to identify people with early prostate cancer. And he was of the view that the PSA was pretty inaccurate and would pick up early cancers that didn't need treatment. And I could see him change his mind as the MRI scan came along and was able to identify the sort of patients that need to be identified. And so suddenly the, the advent of this technology has even changed the minds of skeptic people that you know you can look for cancer and you don't necessarily have to be over-diagnosed and over-treated. That's really encouraging. Okay, so then what are the diagnostic decisions that you, as a diagnostician, consulting urologist, make with the MRI report? What does it actually inform you to do? Well, first of all, they usually go to their GPs first, or they've been picked up in some sort of health screening environment, and they have had a PSA blood test. And traditionally, that patient would go straight on to have a prostate biopsy if the PSA was borderline abnormal. What sort of happens now is that I say to the patient, what is it you are trying to do? And if the patient is informed, he will say, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a relatively young man. I, I want to pick up a cancer if it's present so that I can attempt to be cured. I don't want to wait until it's too late and I can't be cured anymore. And then I think if the patient is clear in their mind what they want, then it makes it very easy for me to decide what to do next. Okay. It's not only if they want it, but also if they're suitable for some sort of treatment. So sometimes you say to a patient, look, you've got so many comorbidities, in other words, you've got so many other illnesses that even if you did have prostate cancer, you know, we wouldn't be wanting to treat it anyway because it's not a priority. It's not going to be the one that drives your, your future health. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, it, you know, you say, look, you know, you shouldn't be as worried as you are because you've been affected by the media. You know, you say to them, Yes, in your case, you know, it would make sense to find an early prostate cancer, but have you thought through what would happen if we did pick it up? You know, what sorts of treatments would you want to have? Uh, and I think that preliminary discussion is important. What I tend to do in nearly everybody is to arrange an MRI scan, and this is before we do a biopsy. And this has now become pretty standard practice now. I don't think you'll find many places in England where 
they will biopsy you without an MRI scan first. It became nice guidance back in 2018, didn't it? Well, that's right. And I mean, there are patients where, you know, you, you do an exam, digital examination of the prostate through the rect, and you know, it's, it's obvious that there's a cancer there. And it's obvious that all you need to do is to have a couple of cores. By cores, I mean samples of the prostate to confirm the diagnosis. And then you can go on to treatment. But in the vast majority of patients where the PSA is borderline, and by that I mean sort of less than 20, you need the MRI scan to sort of give you an idea of whether you're dealing with an aggressive prostate cancer or not. And as we're going to go on to discuss, the issue is how confident are you that the MRI scan is giving you the correct information? Exactly. So on that point, let's look at both the form and the substance in the reporting that you use. So I guess a couple questions. What is the minimal requirement of information for you to make a diagnostic decision in an MRI report? And I guess what's the current best practice and what would be on your wish list? I think the current best practice is to have a report where they looked at what's called the PIRED scores and something else called the Likert scores. Relatively recently, and even now, you'll get some reports which will say something like, there's a slight abnormality on the left-hand side. As clinicians, we were left to say, well, what do you mean by slight abnormality? Do you mean, you know, small? Do you mean it looks like there is a cancer? How likely is there a cancer? So what sort of evolved was a score where a radiologist will say that they think it's virtually 100% likely that there's cancer there. And they'll give that a score of five. And then there'll be a situation where they think it's likely rather than very likely. Uh, and that, in that situation, they give it a score of four. And then you'll get the sort of threes, which are equivocal. Uh, mm-hmm. And then twos where they think it's unlikely and one where they think it's very unlikely. Now, within the prostate, I want to know what the score is and I want to know where they think that cancer is likely to be. And so a good radiology report will map the prostate and in different parts of the prostate will give it different scores. And then what I'd like to have is a diagrammatic representation of what they're talking about so I can actually see it in a cross-sectional basis. What that does is then allow me to biopsy the area more accurately. So basically a report needs to have accurate PIRAD scoring. It needs to tell me where they think the abnormality is. I want to know More than that, I want to know the size of the prostate. I want to know the shape of the prostate. I want to know if there's any effect of the possible blockage on the bladder. I want to know that there aren't any surrounding abnormalities in the lymph nodes or the bones. And ideally, I quite like to know what's going on in the kidneys as well. So there's a lot there. And if Mm -hmm. an MRI is done properly, you can really move forward with the, the whole management of the patient. That sounds like a lot of information. I mean, what you've just described, how often do you see that done? When I have patients referred to me from other centres, in particular the NHS, I find that that's not often done. The reports are vague. They don't often give the prostate size. They don't tell me the prostate shape. Uh, And if they give me a PIRED score, unfortunately, most radiologists are slightly afraid of reporting a normal scan. And they tend to give a Lycart 3 lesion or a PIRED 3 lesion far too often. You can see why they do it, because... If they say that, well, I think there probably isn't one there, well, they might be right. And if they say, well, I I think there probably might be one there, and again, they might be right. So by sitting on the fence, they they can never be seriously criticized. But the knock-on effect of that is that if you don't have a radiologist that's giving you information that is essentially saying the prostate looks normal, that means you have to biopsy nearly everybody. And one of the main things I think about an MRI scan is that you can try and avoid doing biopsies. You want a patient to have confidence that 
the PSA is borderline elevated, not because of an aggressive cancer, and therefore doesn't need a biopsy. Mm-hmm. That is one of the most important aspects of an MRI scan. If you biopsy everyone who has an MRI scan, then there's no point doing the MRI scan because you're going to find out what they've got anyway. Yeah. So yeah. it's really important that this concept, that, and I don't like the term pre-biopsy MRI scan because it suggests that the MRI scan, you know, is just a sort of adjunct to the biopsy. In I mean, fact, it actually provides the biopsy plan. It's kind of the binary decision between to biopsy or not to biopsy. And then if you Correct. do biopsy, it provides the plan for that. And that, that's exactly right, Claire. It, it is about uh, to biopsy or not to biopsy, but if you're going to biopsy, do it properly and make sure you hit the target area. Mm. And you see, when you go on to talk about focal therapies, What's really important is that you that the that the MRI results match up with the biopsy results because you are going to be treating only part of the prostate, and so if you don't have confidence in the MRI scan, you really find it very difficult to offer focal therapy to any high standard. And that's as you know why in the focal therapy group we do insist on the highest quality MRI scan reporting we can possibly get hold of. Yeah. So I, w- I just want to go back before we get on to, to treatment decisions, the information that you talked about on your wish list, how is it best presented and communicated to you? I mean, so not just what's on it, which you've described in some detail, but sort of the form of it is, is does that vary? Does that make a difference in how you might it, understand? Yes. yes, it varies enormously. And, and, and I think the diagrams are, are just so useful because the diagrams reflect what you see when you do the biopsies. They're the same sort of cross-sectional pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it makes the biopsies so much easier and better. But also when you communicate the results to your patient, the visual image is uh, universal, whereas the way that radiologists describe the changes varies enormously. And it's really quite complex language. So it's like listening to a foreign language. Yeah, uh, yeah. That old saying that a picture is a thousand words is absolutely correct. So very few people can do the images because the software doesn't allow it. There is complicated systems which collect MRI data and then transmits it around the place. Don't allow you to tag on the images. And so I've tried very hard to get these sort of things done locally. And it's very, very difficult. Some units seem to manage it, but very few. So it sounds like there's a lot of variation amongst hospitals and, and radiological practices. I mean, is there, out of this variation, is there any kind of gold standard that you can point to? I think a measure of how good an MRI scan is has not really been established. So, you know, I don't think those sort of standards are out there so that you can judge whether a unit is up to it or not. Mm. Um, And I've reflected on this myself. So one of the things which I think they should look at is how often does a radiologist report the PIRAD3 lesions? Now, you can imagine if there was a difference between an average of 5% in one group and 50% in another group, that would be a very odd variation. And in my experience, uh, the units that don't report a lot have a very high number of PIRADS 3s reported, and the top centers have a very low level. So they get off the fence. It's either normal Mm. or it's not. Hmm. Um, It's far too easy to say, well, I'm not sure, so I call it a PIRADS 3, and that makes it a useless MRI scan. It's actually really important for patients to understand that because, I mean, that can presumably have a big influence on the treatment decision. Well, it means that virtually everyone gets a biopsy then. Mm-hmm. And then possibly the wrong treatment or? Sort of. First of all, it's unpleasant to have a biopsy. And it of course. Risk it. But secondly, you could be picking up cancers which maybe didn't need to be picked up. And then you've got the issue of what you do with that information. I mean, we haven't gone on to how the biopsies are taken, but I think, I suppose an MRI scan, if it's well done, will help the biopsies 
even if they're done through the transrectal route, which, as we've discussed before, is not the best way of doing it. So, I mean, in your experience, um, the specialist radiologist is is crucial to to this yes. communication. And it, is your view that specialist radiologists are limited in supply? Yes. And why do you um, think this is? First of all, it probably takes many thousands of reports to do, but also you need to have regular feedback from the people who are doing the biopsies and finding the cancers and and then doing the treatments. And I think the people who are part of multidisciplinary groups where they are always getting feedback on what they've reported is probably the most important thing of the lot. And I, I'm not so sure that, that that occurs. So in any NHS unit, there'll be quite a few people who report prostate MRI scans and they you know may not even be part of the hospital where the MDT occurs and I think also perhaps a lot of radiologists don't know that people are taking their opinions seriously enough even to go to the extent of not biopsying them because I suppose there's a medical legal aspect to this where they're scared that if they don't biopsy it and they miss a cancer that they will be potentially in trouble with litigation and of course that's incumbent on me to say that I've got trust in this radiologist and I believe them and I therefore if I was you, I wouldn't have a biopsy. I'll take a biopsy if you want me to. Uh, and those are the guidelines that I should take a biopsy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guidelines were made before MRI scan really took off. And they are currently based on quality of MRI scan, which is difficult to assess. So I think the future might be where the guidelines allow you to not take a biopsy if you are confident in the MRI scan. Okay, so just going to pick up on the MDT, because I'm not sure many patients, they certainly don't participate in them, but they don't understand exactly how the radiologist plays a role in that, and that the actual scan and the radiologist report is in fact what the MDT is discussing, correct? Yes, that's right. So the MDT will be looking at uh, the cancer and the MRI scan, but they're not doing it that often from the point of view that if the biopsies are negative, then they don't get discussed. So the radiologist very rarely sees the negative right. side of it, if you know right. what I mean. If an MRI scan is negative and we don't biopsy them, but it's only with further follow-up that you know whether that MRI scan got it wrong or not. So you know you might find two years down the line that the PSA continues to go up, you do a biopsy, and there was a cancer there, so the MRI scan had missed it two years earlier. I mean, there was a time when I wasn't confident on the MRI scans that I would do these urine gene tests. There's one called PCA3. And that's when I realized just how variable reporting was because in some radiologists, they'd be saying it's normal and then the gene test would come back positive. So I'd do the biopsy and sure enough, there was quite a bad cancer there. So it wasn't until I started gaining confidence in a, in a radiologist who got it reliably right that I stopped doing the urine gene test. But there is definitely variation out there. So I'm going to ask you a slightly controversial question. I mean, do you think that one way of addressing both the shortage that we talked a little bit about, and this variation, which has come up a couple times, do you think that something like artificial intelligence might seek to somehow address that and and, and improve that? Well, for sure, because all the radiologists are looking at is various grayscales and patterns, and that's really relatively easy for uh, a computer to work out, and and, and then the feedback is not that difficult to put back in the computer system to work out what's happening, because they can log what happens over a prolonged period of time you mm-hmm. know, without having to remember to, to put that feedback. So the future is very much that MRI scans will determine what happens next. People will have much more confidence in having PSA blood tests. So the whole screening program will probably be transformed um, on the basis that 
if you have confidence in the PSA blood test and then an MRI scan is readily available and accurate, well, you know, that's just going to transform the whole thing. Absolutely. So what would you advise a patient to ask if there could be, you know, one question that a patient should be asking and, and should need to know to give him confidence in his diagnostic and treatment procedures about the uh, MRI, what would that be? I don't think this exists, but, uh, you know, you could say, does your radiologist audit the results? And, you know, you could say, what, what's his PIRAS 3 rate of, of reporting? <laughs> okay. um, you'll get a blank look on the face of the person you ask that question to. I mean, I've done it for my radiologist, so I know what, what it is. I mean, the other interesting question I think is, if you report PIRADS4, which if you remember I said that was that it's likely to have prostate mm-hmm. cancer, well, that likely is a percentage if you think about it. Mm-hmm. So what is that percentage? Well, I know that my radiologist had a 70% likelihood of there being cancer. Well, of course, that also, it's not just the radiologist when it comes to a percentage, it's also how good I am at hitting the target. You might get it right every time and I just miss it. Mm-hmm. So as a combo between me and my radiologist, if it's PIRADS4, I know that that's a 70% likelihood of hitting a cancer. Interesting. Well, I think you've demonstrated exactly that special relationship between the radiologist and the diagnostician in your case. Alan, thank you so much for speaking with me today. It's been really informative and insightful, and I know patients will benefit from understanding this key element in their prostate cancer journey. Always a pleasure, Claire. Wonderful. For a transcript of this interview and to learn more about how technology is improving diagnostics and treatment for prostate cancer, visit the Focal Therapy Clinic at www.thefocaltherapyclinic.co.uk. Thanks for listening. And for me, Claire Delmar, see you next time.